Hey guys, welcome to the Next Level Agents Podcast. I am your host, Kevin Kaufman, and along with my business partner and co-host, Fred Weaver, we bring to you our podcast all about getting to the next level. Sometimes we talk to real estate agents, sometimes brokers, sometimes people just in and around our space, and sometimes just entrepreneurs in general. But our point here is to talk to the brightest and the best and to pull gold nuggets out of them and bring them to you so that way you can take little actionable pieces of advice, sometimes big actionable pieces of advice and make your business even better and help you get to the next level. Do me a favor, if you haven't already, go over to ratethispodcast.com, ratethispodcast.com forward slash NLA, stands for Next Level Agents, and please leave us a five-star review if you have not already. All right. Without further ado, welcome to today's episode. What I have noticed is like I was at HomeSmart and then I was on, I went to that mastermind. I finally ended up switching to eXp and I thank you for that too. That's been super fun. So we talked a little bit about like me going from like a small brokerage that was more local. No, don't get me wrong. They're all around, but like they're very big here. And so moving over to eXp, what I loved about it, I'm gonna ask you what you loved about it, but why I made that transition was because I noticed a lot of the people in that room that were players were there. Yeah. And so I'm like, it was, it's always different brokerages, but I'm like, I like that person. They're there. I like that person there. I'm like, Hey, this is a pretty smart room. And these people are here. So what am I not understanding? So I was willing to go through that stage of, okay, I'm at this brokerage and they're quote unquote cheap. But then I was like, what, it, what like, does that cost? I literally you? just said that they're cheap. Like, I don't know how to say that a lot. And there's no disrespect in this conversation. They serve me so well, Yeah, but I was willing to be, I had to grow and so I was always saying, this is a cheap company. It's an inexpensive company. And I'm like, I couldn't imagine if I was hiring my bookkeeper off, oh, they're cheap. Or my doctor off, they're cheap. Or if every decision I made on my car to the pants that I'm wearing right now, to the shoes that I'm wearing, if I was just basing everything on cheap, like it's so easy to do cheap. It's very hard to pull off like quality. Yeah. And quality sometimes costs a little bit more. Like my jeans I'm wearing right now, like, they cost $150 more than my old jeans, but they also last five more years longer. So are they more expensive on the front end? Maybe. Are they the cheapest? Nope. But I'm also willing to say I'm wearing a more expensive jean than I used to wear, but I also have a jean that lasts five years longer than they used to last. And those both can be true. Yeah. So what do you, what are your thoughts on what made you actually make that move? I think about when I think about that, what made us make the move? There was a few things, right? So we realized at some point that we had to make a change period. Not necessarily did we go, hey, we need to go to EXP. We realized we needed to make a change because Keller Williams, for all the good that we got out of it, was no longer our home. So we spent a lot of time figuring that out, right? Way more time than we should have. <laughs> when we decided to go, hey, we're not really being open-minded about EXP. Like, why don't we look at this objectively for a minute? We, what we saw was, number one, we had friends there that were really enjoying it. Like, they actually really liked it. And it was, so it was no longer just people that we didn't really know or didn't really like that were saying it's great. Like, people we know and liked and respect were there, and they said they liked it which then opened us up to learn about the company. And really it was just like the model was the way we read it was this company actually incentivizes you to be more productive and more giving. And going back to like your story of that we talked about 
with the short sale classes and hosting masterminds, like that's something I've always been after. And what I saw with this company is this company, first of all, is a great real estate brokerage, like just in general, something we all need. Like we need good broker support, good brokerage support goes beyond just brokers. And so that box was checked. But what we saw was like, there's a community here. Like the way the founder described it later, that a couple of years into me being there, I heard him say one day, this company was an experiment in distributed leadership, which to me is like just building communities. And I went, that's my jam. Like literally, that's my, you're telling me I can actually make more money for being a part of a community and maybe even building a community. And I went, this is worth trying out. Like this is worth taking a quote unquote risk on. And that was the thing is we decided to look at it because people were there that we liked and we liked and respected. So that opened our mind to look at the model. When we looked at the model objectively, what we saw was an opportunity for us to have, to be rewarded for the things we like to do anyways. And the things that we were already doing anyways, selling a ton of real estate. Yeah, I have frameworks to how I think about almost everything. I always like to think of frameworks, it makes my simple brain think more proper. And when people think of EXP, I think sometimes they can think of the word downline. Don't like the word, but people use it. So I've got to think about it. And so when they see a graph, let's just say they see that downline. And I just look at it like we, I had my assistant build a graph in my office for me because I just solve my problems and then I help people maybe solve their problem. That's the best way I think life can be. And so I have this, instead of it being like a downline, I look at it like everybody's my board of directors. Yeah. And so I have it now of... There's me as the CEO. And here's what happened. I was watching a documentary about a company and it, this chart and I, me being me, I took a picture sitting on my couch. I paused it, took a picture, sent it to my assistant said, make this for me. Cause I like it. It makes me feel good. And so it was, it, the, it was showing the company CEO and then under it was all the people in the org chart. Okay. So it was the CEO and it's most of us who run a business right now. We have, we, we're the CEO and we have this org chart downline. I don't know, whatever. I don't want to go there, but that's what it looks like when you have that org chart. But above me, that's what I noticed on this documentary. He, they had the board of directors. And so when I saw this, it was a documentary about the CEO and they were showing the CEO and the org chart of the company. And so I was like, I'm a CEO and I have an org chart, maybe a much smaller org chart, but I have one. And then it showed the new, the new board of director that came in. And I was like, wait, those people that I've aligned with at EXP that's my board of directors. And so that's how I look at it right now. Like I'm a CEO, I have a business. Those are my board of directors. I don't need all their time. They don't need to get granular in my business. I'm the CEO, but I do need to go them for board of director stuff. And there's times where I need to get in the room with these people. Or I need to get on a conference call with these people. And I need to talk about board of director stuff. And maybe they collectively running big businesses have been in this problem before. And I can just talk to them for three minutes. I don't need five hours. Talk to them for three minutes, tell them my problem. They tell me what to do and I'm good. Like I'm not paying these people based on time. Thankfully, that's not how life works. Some of the highest paid people are the people you just call and you're like, I need two minutes of your time. I've actually found the people who call you and say they need four, of your time, four hours of your time are sometimes, there are times and places. Those are sometimes the people that you're like, I don't know, are we gonna take action on this? Because I find that the biggest things get accomplished in my life when I call someone, I'm like, hey, two minutes of your time, maybe three, just I'm gonna tell you my problem, tell me the solution. I ain't gonna argue with you. I'm calling you for a reason. 
you get those people who call you and they're like, I, I need some advice and you give it to them. But I did, but I'm like, whoa, whoa, like you called me for some advice. Now, are you trying to change my mind or were you calling for advice? So that's a board of directors. So that's how I look at it, man. Like you guys, like you're on my board of directors. It's funny. I never thought of it that way either until my friend Eric Lowry in, in Cincinnati, he joined EXP January of 2020. And I talked to him about it. He was one of the few people I talked to about it before we joined EXP. And he was like, nah, I think I'm good. I'm just going to hang out. It's not for me. So anyways, he ends up joining and we're talking the day he joins me, him and Fred are having a conversation. He goes, oh, he's, it's funny. You guys think you recruited me. He's, I recruited you two and Curtis to my business because you guys are now my board of directors and I'm going to lean on you guys with what you, because you're further down the same road I'm trying to go down. And I know that you, and now I've got a direct line to you at all, all the time. And I was like, it was such a paradigm shift for me that day when he said it like that. I was like, yeah, that's exactly what it is because we would like, we would trip over ourselves. We have tripped over ourselves to go, how can we help you? What can we do? And that's what you, that's why you see, that's that distributed leadership yeah. model in, in practice. Yeah. So it's like you, I feel like you're on my board of directors. And then what's cool about it is I'm on someone's board of directors. There's somebody who reaches out to me for that two minutes. Hey, I just need this just quick advice. And so I just look at it like, hey, like I've got a board of directors. They've got a board of directors. So I don't look at anything anymore of like upline, downline. I think those are lazy words. I think those are lazy words for people to not think complex. Yes. And I want to be, I run a very complex business, a very profitable business. And so I can't have lazy thoughts. I can't say, oh, VA didn't work one time. I can't do it again. Or, oh, that's where someone's making money off you. And I'm like, what world do you live in where people aren't making money off someone? And why is this the one instance in your life where you've tried to bring it in on the most important thing that's happening in your life? Like you've decided to have this framework. Like the whole world is running off, people helping each other and making money. And you decided in this one instance, your most important thing that you have as far as making an income, you wanted to use it to your disadvantage. Good luck with that. Keep your framework, man. Keep that. I'm not here to argue with your limiting beliefs. Keep them. So like maybe just be open to being around people who challenge your thoughts. And what's cool about that is it took me probably seven or eight months after I knew I wanted to join. So as much as I can be like so matter of fact with why I joined and my thought process now, I went through the same situations that everyone else goes through. So I'm not saying I'm not human. I'm just saying I have a belief now that I may not once had but I couldn't have had different beliefs if I didn't get in rooms with people who didn't have different beliefs. And I'm like, that is one thing, bro, that I've noticed about you. And we talk about it like often is just be willing to be sometimes in rooms where people aren't hyping you up or be willing to go in rooms where you're like, I disagree with that. Or be willing to go in rooms where like, I challenge you on that. That is some of my best friendships, man. Are people that yeah. are like, it's like Dave and I, when I, when we sit down with people and talk or help them build their business, I'll look and be like, hey, we have a common goal. Like we have a lot of qualities that are the same, like good human beings, good hearts, good people, want to sell a lot of homes, make a lot of profit. That's where we agree. How we get there, we got yin and yang here. Welcome to the argument. And I preface this when I start talking to people. Like I think of a conference room when they're on that side, we're on this side. And I'm like, I'm just letting you know, as we go through this hour where we're talking to you, you might sit here and think, what's going on with them? And I'm like, we are really good friends. This is like my homie. And those are my friends. I want to establish ground right now of how our friendships work or my friendships work. I don't need yes men. I need that guy to be like, 
yo, bro, I don't think you're doing that right. And me be like, I am doing it right. And he's like, no, you're not. And I'm like, yes, I am. And then be willing to sit there and be like, oh, wait, no, I'm not. Well, you can't have a, I don't think you can have a healthy business relationship or even friendships, man. If you're not sitting there sometimes being like, hey, can I ask you a question about that? Or why do you think that way? Or so to go back to, I can say that matter of fact, why I'm here at this company and also be the same guy on record, pull a clip, find a clip of me six years ago. I challenge you to find that clip and throw it out there and put that clip in this clip. And I'll be the first one when you're trying to like say he's telling something different. I'll just be the first one to say I'm a human being here on this earth that has decided that I'm willing to change my thought process. And I'll challenge you that if you can't, if if you can go on record from your 18 year old self to your 90 year old self and say you were consistent, you lost. Dude, like that- you totally lost if you can say that. So when somebody challenged me, I'm like, hey, you didn't say that three weeks ago. And I was like, dude, I woke up today reconciling everything I believed yesterday. There's two or three things in my life that are pure and true. And I won't change that for nothing. And there's, I go on rucks in the morning and I say, God, what are we changing today? Even if that was the version of myself yesterday that I had, even if that's the identity that I have, even if that's what people think that I do for a living, even if that's what, even if I said that before, because I think that takes somebody who's willing to say, get ready as you're changing in life, get ready for the haters. And get ready for someone to pull a clip of what you said. And I'm like, yeah, I actually think more people in life should be able to pull a clip and say, oh, and then they, I just think like politics when they're like, he flip-flopped. And I'm like, okay, if he's flip-flopping every day, depending on the crowd, we got an issue. But if someone, if you pull a clip from somebody three years ago and they were consistent with that message and now they're consistent with a different message, that's not a flip-flopper. That's somebody who can be challenged and change their mind. The person who flip-flops every day in whatever room they're in, that guy I got a question with. Exactly. Yeah. There's nuance to that, right? If you can't, if you haven't changed your mind on something in the last year, like then you're, you're not thinking critically. You're not allowing yourself to be challenged and you're not growing like period full stop. There is no exception to that. If you haven't changed your mind, then your mind is closed. And I guess that's okay if that's the way you want to live. But to me, that shows a lack of intelligence and a lack of emotional maturity as well. You've got to be able to change your mind and learn. And yeah, there's a big difference between somebody who like flip-flops and changes with the wind and somebody who, when presented with new evidence, they acknowledge it and re-examine their own thoughts and beliefs. And if you're not that guy or girl, then maybe that's the first place to start is why aren't you that guy or girl? Yeah. It's got to be time for deep thoughts. So I know like when you and I talk a lot, we talk about thinking time. I know in our last podcast we did, that was one of the things I said when I walked away that I wanted to put more thinking time on the calendar. Gosh, man, can those be uncomfortable? Like sitting on my back patio for an hour and you just have no phone, no calendar, and you're just sitting there and you let your thoughts go and you're like, hey, this is what I like doing. I'm going to do more of it. This is what I don't like doing. And this is what I think I did wrong. And I should call this person and tell them that. And this is what I think I did. Like, it's just like, that's where I think like you and I have a lot of common ground is when we talk about thinking time and just be willing to sit down and think and be willing to know that you might not be right. Over the last year, that's been my biggest thing is I'm like, who made me right? That is who made me right. This is just my belief system right now. Who made me right? Like, how, why am I right on this? Like, why are they wrong and why am I right? 
well, like, cause they're sitting there and they're like, he's wrong and I'm right. And I'm like, how do we collectively live in a world where we're all wrong and right? I'm like, maybe we just have different frameworks the way we think. Maybe we're all just different people and we collectively all need to have different thoughts so that we can produce different art, that we can produce different things. Cause if we all thought the same way, like how would anybody do different things? But yeah, I, I just, I bring all that up because, and I want to note on the record as well. I know I say this a lot, but I do. Cause like I can be very opinionated out loud. I actually had somebody not too long ago be like, there's sometimes where like when you're talking, you brag. And I'm like, what are you listening to where that's being done? Is this normal in my life? Cause I want to fix it. If like I'm at dinner and doing this, please let's fix this. And it's no, when I listen to, or, and I'm like, if you want me to have a show about all the things I suck at, start it. I'll jump on any time and we'll get a good comedy show. Talk so, about long form. Yeah, so I want to know like when someone's, oh, when you get into somewhere like you can be opinionated or braggy and I'm like, do you want to talk about cars for a minute and engines? And I, we can, like, I don't even barely know how to put my air filter in my house. Like that arrow up and down still perplexes me. We have to turn on the air so that it can suck it in or suck it out. So I'm like, did this work? You know what I mean? So I'm like, if you want to go on, if you literally want me out loud and publicly to like, pronounce like or, or announce everything that I'm terrible at. Like, maybe we should start the show. Like we could have, I was joking with my friend recently and I was like, we should do the Chris Bowers highlight reel, like the top 10 ESPN. Let's do the top 10 in the day. And then let's get the, let's get the, let's get the other Instagram page. that's like the bloopers. Yeah. And it'll be the top 10 in the day and the top bloopers. So I'm like, we just, most of us, I don't know, maybe other people are different. But I'm like, you just saw the 10 highlights today. But I'm like, do you want to do the blooper show too? Because I'm down. I just don't have the energy to do both. And if I'm going to go on record, like I'd rather, I think I'm going to be more productive with people seeing my highlights and not my lowlights. But if anybody wants to come into my life and really do this, like I am down for them putting out that page and be like, let's go, dude. I actually would probably be more entertained by that page than this page. This one just serves me and I think the community better, but let's go. And I think some people can pull that off altogether. I'm not that person. I pray about that often, but I just wanted to make that out loud. So if this is on a podcast or something that can always end it. And someone recently told me, I think it was Chelsea Wright when I was on her podcast, she was like, hey, just want to let you know at the end of stuff, you don't have to have a disclaimer. And I was like, I think I always have a disclaimer because I want people to know if they take a clip here and there that they can say that. But then I can always say, go listen to the whole thing. And maybe you want to be lazy about that, not listen to the whole three hours. But if you want to take six minutes there and, and do that, cool. Yeah, that is what I said in that three-minute clip, and it sounded a little arrogant. But if you could, please just go listen to the whole thing as his disclaimer at the end who said he's a flawed human being trying to do good on this earth, that, like, at least we got that on the record. So there we go. I think anybody that reacts to says that to you, and I think that's a reflection of something they're insecure about. Huh. And maybe their feedback is valid. Maybe. But the fact that they would want to say it is probably because it brings up something inside of them that they feel insecure about. That's my hunch. And that's the, that, whatever, that's their thing to, to work on or not work on, doesn't matter. But sharing, you share enough of your failures, dude, you don't brag. Um, you talk about your wins, but you do it in a way that's constructive and instructive, to, especially to, I like to joke, we'll refer you as coach prime of real estate because of how many young guys that are around you regularly looking to you for, for leadership and education that you're instructing a lot. And I think that you're very good though about not just saying, hey, it's all been W's. I think you're a lot like me, which is I'd rather be more real and show you all the ways, that, like you talked about, great, you just showed me the 10 ways it does work. Tell me about the 15 ways it made your life hell this year. 
you're you're real about that. And anybody that doesn't see the balance of that, I think it's just because you maybe touched a nerve on that other side of, of your good stuff. And that's okay. So something you say a lot, which I love, and especially when we're having conversations with our crew is, I'm going to go for no. In fact, you have a printed out piece of paper that says go for no, and it has lines for you to be able to write names on. What What's that about? Yeah, go for no for me was I read a book probably six, seven years ago. It was called Go For No. And it was just talking about how most of us wake up in the morning, or let's say we're trying to accomplish a goal and there's certain things you got to do. Usually you get the win and then you're off. Let's say like you're in real estate, like you go in and your job maybe was like prospect for, you know, three hours and your first three calls, you get a win. And it's okay. That took, maybe that took 15 minutes and you got a win. So he changed the framework was like, why don't we just go for a certain amount of no's? Like we're always searching for yeses. So we're making the reward off the yes. And when you're in sales or in any type of business where you're probably going to get a lot of no's, like, why are we rewarding the success? Why wouldn't we reward the no's? So I started doing this stuff, whether I was trying to find more buyers, find more sellers, find more realtors that talked about EXP. I was like, let's just go for no. And so I started keeping like the scorecard and I was like, I've got to actually, it's not if I get a yes in the day, this is a go for no. So like my job is go into the office on that project and get this many no's and, and whatever project it is, it's different. And so I'll just say, Hey, I got to get into the office and I got to get 50 no's. Let's say that's calling leads. If we say we we're going to call hundred people, calling hundred people is not that hard with a mojo dialer. Yeah. Like you could actually call hundred people in 14 minutes with yep. certain systems. So it's when you have a, I need 50 people today to say no to me that they don't want to buy or sell a house. That's your goal. And if you just focus on that being your goal, you actually are applauding the no. You're like, yes, I got another no. I can get off. I got another no. I can soon be off. And it just collectively, you'll as you do this long enough, you'll find your own scorecard. But you'll start to get data. And you'll know that if I statistically get this many no's, I get this many yeses. Yeah. And then you start reverse engineering. It's really a reverse engineering math problem. And then it's also like a psychological, like no is not fun. We don't always want no in our life. So it's just saying, hey, like to get to that goal, you already are self-aware enough to know that you're going to get a lot of no's. So let's play a fun game with it. So now it's, if your goal is this and you got to get this many no's in the day, this many no's to get there, like how fast can we get these no's? Are we going to get these no's like in one day to get to that goal? Or is this going to take 12 years? And so that's go for no for me on any project I usually do. It's like a go for no, like how many no's can I get in a day? Because I know if I hear enough no's, I get enough yeses. And as you explain that to some people, they're like, I don't want to do that. And I'm like, I know. And that's why you might not win. But like that's actually like you, if you don't want to do it, that's fair. Don't do it. I don't, no one, I don't need, we don't need to do it. Just that's what it takes to get it. So is that a need to you, that goal or a want? And if it's a want, then don't do it. But if it's a need, like if it's in you, you're like, I have to have that to like function then you got to do that. Yeah. And I, I hope may, maybe you'll get more skill than I did. And maybe it'll be less nose, but it's not going to change a lot. Maybe there is skill that you can do to make this easier, but you got to start there now skill. Cause people will say, should I focus more on the skill? And I'm like, no, focus more on the no. Cause if you just focus on the nose, the skill will come. You can sit there and try to internally introverted, come up with the skill. And then, Oh, I'm gonna get so good at this and then go get more yeses. And I'm like, no, you actually get the skill under the nose because the nose make you think, why did Larry say no? Oh, let me listen to that call again. Ah, I get it. Do it better the next time. And so maybe now it's, so everybody's wanting usually to do, let's master this process, skill, 
to get more yeses. And I'm like, go for no on the top of the funnel. And as you get more no's, you're feeling good about it. And as you go get more no's, you actually get better at it. And you're not going to sit there internally in your office by yourself, get your conversion up. You're going to get conversion up by doing it daily. And yes, yeah, so I think that there is a conversation to be had about let's get better skills, but the skills come with just going for the no. So go for no is very like important to me because whether, like I said, selling a house or finding clients to list houses, finding clients to buy houses. Like if there's ever a time where I'm like, we need business now, my first, my, my brain just says, go for no. If I say we need three pieces of business now, it's not that complex. Now, do I emotionally want to do it? Maybe not. But if I just said, hey, I know statistically I need this many no's to get a deal. And I also said on my P&L, we need this many pieces of business to close. Then I'm like, okay, we'll just be ready. I don't want to get 72 no's today, but I also don't want to go out of business. So I have to do this. And that's the emotional intelligence of a business owner to know I don't want to do something, but I have to do it. And unless I hire someone to do it, I have to do it. So that's go for no. I, I love it. When you say go for no, you're putting the word no out there. Like you're acknowledging it. Most of us don't like the word no. We're, from the time we're kids, we don't like the word no. We want what we want when we want it, right? Especially now, this day and age, right? How, how, was, how pissed, I know so many people too, it's not just myself, that are like pissed when they go to Amazon and they see it's actually not going to be here for two days. Because now the standard is I want it now. Like we don't like no. We don't being told no. So when we're acknowledging in sales, no is way more common than yes. It just is, right? You're acknowledging it. You're putting it on the table and going, I'm going to deal with all those no's. So I'm going to make all these calls to all these prospects. I'm going to talk to all the leads that came in today. And I'm going to go for, like you said, maybe it's 50 no's I, I got to go for. Just putting it out there. And I think it makes it easier to deal with that that's not about me. Because I think what prevents a lot of agents from, and this isn't exclusive to real estate agents, it's, it's human beings, but since we're talking about real estate, what prevents a lot of agents from taking more action and doing the things they should in their business is when they're told no, that they take that internally as attack on themselves. And it's, oh, I'm not good enough. Chris doesn't think I'm a good enough realtor to, to sell his house. Or it's something about me, like I don't have it. So we use it as this thing to, we take it internally because again, we're so focused on ourselves that we think everybody else is focused on us too. When instead, if we could just get over that little fragile part of our ego that doesn't like to be told no and doesn't like to be rejected, we'd ask a lot more. And yes, we'd get more no's, but it would also come with a hell of a lot more yeses. It'd come with a lot more listing agreements. It'd come with a lot more people saying, sure, I'll come to your event. It'd come with a lot more people saying, yes, I'd like to meet to talk about the home buying process. We just got to deal with the the other part, which is no. And I think that by framing it around, I'm going to go for no, just I think it makes it mentally a little bit easier to deal with. Yeah. You just have to be healthy with the conversation. You just have to know that that's the most important thing in the day is hearing no. Yeah. And you just get okay with it. It's not that big of a deal. Yeah. You just got to learn to deal with it. I, I think of if I can't deal with this, like how could I ask anybody else to deal with it? How could I teach someone else, my kids or an agent on my team or somebody I might be mentoring? If I can't deal with the no, then how am I going to get them to get past it? Like, it just doesn't work. Yeah. And it also, for example, when we're, when I'm talking about, let's talk about like, if I was trying to hire somebody who was like 
like in my head was like scarier to hire. Oh, would they ever talk to me? Or if I was trying to talk to a bigger Asian about joining EXP, ooh, would they ever talk to me? Would you have a go for no? See, if you have a go for yes, you go after different people. Yeah. When you have a go for no, it's almost like the goal is to get a no. Therefore, I want to call that person because their answer is no. And there's something about listening to a lot of people around me trying to accomplish goals that I'm trying to accomplish. It's talk to people, talk to different people. And what's that avatar person? And that avatar person might scare you internally to do the same thing you did with everyone else. You might be doing that same thing with everyone else, do the same conversation, but that person just makes you nervous. And you start looking at it like if the goal is to go for no, then that's why you call that person. Because now I got my no. Like I can take off if I just get 50 no's today, I'm off. So that's my go for no. I love it. So a question that I had when I was thinking about talking to you was like, why do you think that people don't look at other opportunities? And let's just talk specifically about EXP. That's a common goal that we have, right? I think it should be noted. That is a common goal. We believe in what we're doing. It's what makes you, what do you think stops people from looking into opportunity? I, I think there's, it's really comes down to one thing, psychology, right? But I'm gonna talk about part of it, which is an ego. At the end of the day, not for everybody, but for a certain percentage of us that I would say are natural builders that like to build things, whether our real estate business or otherwise, EXP provides a humongous opportunity. There's an amazing opportunity to go build another business that goes right alongside our real estate business. Normally, when you have opportunities like that, say to open a new franchise or something, I think of the people that brought in Keller Williams early on who wrote those checks. They Those guys... Like they had to write some big checks and take some big financial risks. At EXP, you don't. Like the risk is $149 to join and 85 bucks a month, right? That's the risk. So there's really no financial risk, but there's an ego risk because of, for whatever reason, there's been a lot of, there's just a viewpoint on EXP. Those people over there, I like to refer to us lovingly as the land of misfit realtors, right? So there's an ego. You've got to be willing to have somebody go, oh yeah, but he's at EXP or oh, yeah, she's pretty good, but she's at EXP. Like, cause there is still a little bit, of, despite the fact that we've blown away every like misconception and myth about the company that they've all like literally just been blown to shreds. There's still that out there. And I, I think some people just can't take the, they can't take the ego risk of going to the land of misfit realtors. And what they sacrifice for that is being rewarded handsomely for just doing the same things they're already doing. And it's funny, they'll, they'll write a check, they'll take a big financial risk to say, open a new franchise for something that has, first of all, a much smaller upside, a significantly bigger risk financially that actually has a lower chance of succeeding, but it doesn't hurt their ego. In fact, it inflates their ego because they're like, good for you. You're opening XYZ franchise. Man, that's awesome. You're so lucky they chose you. Like that's their viewpoint again, because we're so focused on how, what we think people think of us rather than why are we doing this? What's the purpose of our business? What's the purpose of our actions? Like we get so wound up in this ego around what other people are thinking rather than just going, you know what, this is what I'm after. And this is actually the way there. 
So I, to me, that's what comes to mind. We were in a conference room probably about three weeks ago, and I didn't even think of the story, dude, until then. And now it's been heavy on my mind. I don't know how I didn't think of the story, but I already brought it up to you once before, but I'm going to say it again is I remember being at Homespark probably about seven, eight years ago. <laughs> you laugh because you already know where I'm going. Yeah. Uh, yeah, this is funny. Like, I'm shocked that this wasn't already in my like brain when I'm talking to agents, but like they, they sat me down in a conference room, two people that were higher up there. And I want to know, love that company. It was good for me, but this is going to establish like positions, levels to this game, shall yeah. I say. And they sat me in a room and they're like, Hey, you've got an office here. And I'm like, I do. And they're like, we know that you're from Keller Williams and we know you always have a lot of good ideas. That's what they said. And we know that you have a lot of stuff like that you could train on. So we were wondering with the training room, if you could put together more of like the training schedule. And I was like, I've always been a, naturally, I've always liked helping out people training them so they could see that. And higher up there, another person, like an employee in the room, and we're having this conversation and it went to another conversation. I can't remember all the details, but like it went to another conversation. I remember this just shows you who I am. I said, hey, so I just wanted to talk now about the like financial side of it. And they're like, okay. And I was like, so here's what I'm thinking. If you guys could print off like the roster that's here now. And then anything that I help contribute to the roster going up in this specific office, like I, I don't want credit for what's been built. But if you're, if I'm going to add value to this and it's going to build, I want to talk about like, what's the piece of the profit that I get. And the look on their face was like, now me being more grown up in business, their look on their face was like, oh, we just want like the profits and we're going to, we're going to give you a free office. And I'm like the $387 office. That's not me building, helping you build a company and getting a $387 office. That's not a good exchange for like my time, but it was weird, dude. Cause they were like, they looked at me like I was an alien. Like it was, I was thinking like now, as I'm thinking about it, it's weird. Cause I'm like, were they not thinking at a certain point? I wouldn't ask like what my pay is going to be. And are they able to talk to all the other agents in a way where they're like a free office is going to get you to teach the office and give, I think they realize like they're, I was like, good for Now I'm looking, I'm like, good dude, good for them. Like they found agents that will go teach an office. Like legitimately sit at their house, take away from their family, sit in their office, come up with content to like a training program for that brokerage and then go deliver that message to people, invite people to it. And then just be like, oh, thank you for the free office. Like the fact that they have pulled that off, dude, I want to make this statement more about props than negatives. I'm like, good, give them knuckles. Like good for you guys that you found agents that will go do all of that. And so I walked away from that and I was like, no, I'm good. Like I've always valued my time. And I'm like, that's going to take me probably three or four hours a month, if not more. And I think I could go sell three more homes during that time. So and like the free office is actually, I think it's a story about a lot of things like, Something free is not always free because I know what my time's worth. So like people like all the time, like when the D-backs hit a home run and you got to go sit in a line for four hours, get two free tacos. I'm like, homie, that's not free. <laughs> like he's been four hours. Get me to the front of the line. I'll pay you a hundred dollars to get to the front just to get my two tacos on that day. So I just look at a lot of things from that. Like one, they, they thought I was like foreign from having the conversation Two, the fact that they can get agents to do that. I'm like, good for you guys. The fact that agents do that. I'm like, maybe they should think about valuing their time more. And then it made me realize like it, 
that was eight years ago. I didn't know what EXP was until two years ago. And that's where I realized like, whoa, I was onto something there. Like I was really like, I was telling them this playbook that I wanted and I just wanted to be like, I don't like the company you've built since I wasn't here. I don't want anything of that. That's silly. That's silly. Like, why would I get a profit for something you've built for many years? But if I'm going to add value in this area, let's give me a little piece, right? That seems fair. That incentivizes me to go work. That incentivizes, we're aligned together. And so now I'm like, wait, did I just sit in the HomeSmart office eight years ago and try to come up with the EXP model? And now I'm sitting here and I'm like, was the model there and I wasn't searching for it? Or did somebody call me and ask me to go to a mastermind that I didn't go to and I was busy as an inspection? So this is just like all full circle as I heard that story. And I'm like, maybe it was there and my brain just wasn't willing to accept it. And I could have been like, oh, I want to go start my own brokerage. But thankfully, I met you and a few other people at the right time in my life where that was my thought process. I wasn't willing to trade my time for 350 bucks. And then I found this process where I'm like, wait, I always had that belief of I'm going to build something or teach agents that I should get incentivized. So here we are. So it just gets cool to see that like a brokerage thought that could go down. It does go down. And I'm just thankful I found my place. So you make me think when you share that, you remind me of all right, Liam Neeson. He's a, he's a Hollywood star, right? So I think he got paid like seven, maybe $10 million for the movie Taken. And, and that was a while ago. So that was even more money back then than it is today. It's a lot of money. Like by any measure, you go, yeah, that's a lot of money. But that movie made like $150 million, right? This is the thing, like Gary Keller is actually the master of this. The studio, did Liam Neeson, was that a good payday? Yeah, but the studio, that's actually who won there. Did Liam Neeson get paid? And is he like, does he get the fame for it? Yes, but who got the fortune was the studio. This is something Gary Keller has mastered. And it's something I'll always give him props for is because he's created a stage. It's called Mega Camp and it's called Family Reunion where you go and donate your time to teach. And I'll talk to agents that literally despise being at Keller Williams, but they get stage time at those places and they feel like that's the only thing that keeps their referral business or their coaching business going. And they're tra they think they're trapped. And I'm like, you guys have no idea. Like, you're just giving it up. You're, you are giving it up. You're being Liam Neeson instead of being the studio. You have a chance to be the studio but they've convinced you that you're nothing more than the movie star. The movie star in Hollywood is the lowest form. It's the lowest cog in the wheel. But the spotlight's on them, and so they feel the best about themselves. They think ever, they actually don't. Like studies have been shown they don't, but that's the way it feels to the public is like, ooh, they're famous. It's the same thing in real estate, dude. Same thing with contributing real estate. It, that's why EXP wins is because Glenn Sanford just went, uh, there's a, actually, there's a better way to do this. Why, why don't we just share for doing that? Let's just distribute this. And it just goes back to there's levels to this game. Yeah. And that's what I want to always just note is like there's levels to the game. And so just note the business models, note the levels. And that's something about you, man, as I was actually talking to Brittany, my wife, <laughs> probably a week ago. And I was like, that's something that I love about Kevin is that he sells a lot of real estate in the background and he has one of the bigger organizations at EXP in the background. And I don't say that like disrespectfully. Yeah. I'm like, you just, you never needed like your name and lights. It's like that saying where it's like, would you rather be like uh, rich or famous? And I feel like you'd be the first one. I'd be like, I bet knowing him long enough, he'd just say rich. Oh yeah. Not famous. 
because I don't think that you'd want all the other stuff to go with famous, but that's a good ego stroke. But you'd be like, no, I'd rather just hang out with my family and just live my life. Like someone else can take the like the props for it. Even I feel like there's some things that go down even around us that you should probably get the shine for. And you just take the back seat because you're just like, I know what my goal is and I'm good. And I know what their goal is and we're good. So let's not argue about our goals. Let's just all be good with what we're good with. And so I just, I don't know. I just think of you as far as that, as you could have went other avenues in this business and you went a certain way and maybe your name's not in lights, but I always say just cash check, homie. Like you can just cash your checks, dude. You're good. My buddy Dan says, and I'll leave with this. He says, I'd much rather see my name on a check than in lights. There we are. Yeah. Cool, man. Nice talking with you. You too, bud. Later, bro. Thank you for tuning in to today's podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. If you're looking for even more valuable content and resources to help you grow your business, then we invite you to join our community, Next Level Agents at eXp Realty. By joining us, you'll gain access to exclusive benefits like live trainings, events, masterminds, weekly Zooms, digital downloads, and so much more, all designed to help you grow your business. To learn more and become a part of our community, simply visit kevinandfred.com forward slash contact and get in touch with us today. Of course, if you're not quite ready to take the plunge and join our community, that's no problem at all. You can still access all of our great content for free right here on this podcast. And again, we thank you for listening. We look forward to continuing to bring you valuable insights and more advice in the future.